Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing well. I've just... Horrendous sense of deja vu. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for me as well. <laughs> I've also noticed a weird habit I've picked up. When I say, it's me, Peter, I like raise one hand in the air. Like, I'm kind of okay. theatrically projecting my voice to an audience. Like a Nazi salute. <laughs> Is that the term we're going for? <laughs> Straight in with a Nazi how you're raising the hand. No, yeah. no, it's like a... You imagine, like, you might see, like, a, a, a someone posed as Shakespeare, right? Yeah. And they're holding, holding a like, a scroll, scroll in one hand, and then the hand, oh, okay. friends, Romans, a countryman. Okay, and I see, I see, kind of yeah. So if, if That's I'm... That's what you do. Yeah, well, if, if I'm if I'm projecting extra loudly, if you have to turn my volume down for that opening uh, part, okay. that must be why. It's me, Peter. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Sort of Taste of London style. <laughs> Heathcott Pursuit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, aside from that, I'm doing very well. How about you, Frank? Yeah, very well as well. Thank you. Um, getting settled in my new home. and Oop North. Oop North, exactly. It feels like sort of Arkham news is trickling out now after what we described as a drought. So yeah, we've got got a little bit more excited about it, haven't we? Well, I think we 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 took the credit for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we did we did an episode about how we've got these long gaps between cycles, and then boom, mm. in drops a load of new cycle information. They were like the boys that drawn to the flame are getting frustrated. We better uh, <laughs> turn on the spoiler tab. <laughs> yeah. Out it comes. And we'd like to talk about something that's been announced in this episode. It's not the main focus of the episode, but it's the inspiration behind it as well. So if you are the kind of person who is avoiding all spoilers, leaks, announcements, whatever terms you want to use for the upcoming cycle, this would be a chance to not listen. And this is the point to cut off and stop and come back once you feel that you've caught up. If, however, you're happy hearing about something that's been announced by MJ and Duke, uh, two of the designers of the game, for the upcoming cycle, we're going to mention that as well. So I thought just, we haven't been doing spoiler warnings for a long time, but probably worth it for this one. For those people who want to go into the next expansion, not even knowing its name, you'll notice I haven't even mentioned its name. Wow, that's hardcore. Okay, warning has been given. Okay, We're going to talk about Charlie Kane, the politician, from the upcoming The Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion for players. So that's really exciting, but he's not the focus, like I said, because one of the things we really want to talk about is, I guess we'd call it deck building adjacent, deck building pre-jacent. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the exam question, Frank? What's What have we got written in our notes is the actual exam question here. Yeah, I, I mean, I took a stab at this and... I wonder. I put. How do I even approach deck building? <laughs> how do I even? How do I even deck build, dude? Yeah, exactly. Before you even get to putting cards in your deck, and really, the question behind the episode is: a new investigator has been announced, or you're sitting down to play a new campaign, and you're picking your investigator to play. What sort of steps can I take to start getting my head around the new investigator, and how I might even begin to build a deck for them? In other words. What do I do before I can even build this deck? Well, that's that's a long question. It's a yeah. It's a 
what steps do I, what sort of steps can I take to start getting my head around a new investigator? Okay, bro. Right. Got you. What steps can I take then, Frank? Oh, do oh, we I'm glad you're just leaving this all to me. <laughs> Good question. And as we go through this episode, what we're going to use kind of as our test case is Charlie Kane. Yes. Who was announced recently. And we came to thinking about this episode because we were both talking about Charlie and getting excited about Charlie. And then thinking about, well, how do you start to divide up an investigator and work out which direction you want to go or not? It's one of the great enjoyments of the game, isn't it? A new investigator's announced, oh, do you think they'll be good with this? Do you think they'd be good with that? And yeah, that's, I suppose, part of the driving force behind this, of trying to put into words some of the things, some of the things we do naturally and some of the things we've maybe not thought about. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I, I know the exact feeling you're talking about, but I think mm. I would find it hard to communicate in my words what, what Use your words, f- Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I would find it hard to communicate what I was doing, what I was, the approach I was taking. Mm. So I'm open for a full interrogation, Frank. <laughs> Torture me. Get, get, get this information out of me. In fact, one of the things you said you did yeah. was you just started building a deck. I started building a deck. And I've done that with, with Charlie. It's, it's interesting. I didn't notice it until we, th- we were having a kind of meta discussion, talking about Charlie and then talking about how we talk about Charlie. <laughs> and it struck me that it was the first thing I did and is often the first thing I do with any investigator, with any set of player cards. If I see a card mm. I like, I'll just try building a deck around it. And it it, yeah. it forces me to think about a lot of things related to them. Do we want to get into the details? Do we want to, do we want to look at Charlie first? Those things that you're forced to think about probably will come up on my list as well. Right. And so, yeah, put a pin in those. Maybe let's mention Charlie and then we can apply some of our thoughts yeah. to that. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. We have Charlie Kane, the politician. He has uh, one willpower, one intellect, one combat, and one agility. He has the traits mm-hmm. civic and socialite. Does anyone else have either of those? Civic is De- De- Stella. Stella. I was going to say does Stella have civic? Civic and chosen. Socialite. Now, Jenny seems like she would be the socialite, but she is drifter, if I remember right. Oh, good knowledge. So I don't know whether we've had a socialite before. There is a socialite investigator out there. There's cool. one card. Give me a clue. Trait. Give me a clue. Is it an investigator? He, it is an investigator, yeah. He? So he, yeah. Mm, nope, another clue. Um, his stat line... Is it Preston? Is uncannily similar to Charlie oh, Kane's. <laughs> amazing. Wow, the two, the two socialites rocking their, their nice and flat stat lines. Interesting. Anyway, right. So his text says you have three additional ally slots. And then he has a free trigger. During a skill test you are performing, exhaust an ally asset you control. For this test, you get plus one skill value, plus an additional plus one for each skill icon that ally asset has that matches the test's type. Mm. His elder sign effect is plus three, ready an ally asset at your location. He has six health and six sanity, and his flavor text is, it can be arranged. It's just a matter of acceptable terms. Blimey. Yeah, how about that? Mm. Mm-hmm. I guess what we didn't mention is that he's neutral as well. Yeah, it's the lack of 
any faction there as well. So handily for this discussion, him being neutral means we can't just say, well, he's a guardian, so put in some guardian cards. And that could be one of your first go-tos with an investigator. I think particularly with mystics, you might have a sense of most mystics, you know, do I have a willpower I can do spells with? I'll do that. But yeah, most factions have something of an identity, even if there are outliers. Yeah. There's something you mentioned in the Daniela episode oh, yeah. that we did recently, which was looking at Statline as a way to think about, okay, what kind of things do I think I'll be good at? And I think you even went so far as to say that's why you've enjoyed the flat Statline investigator slightly less, because it's sort of harder to know, right, which direction do I need to build this investigator in? Yeah, I've said that for some time, actually. And I find it more intimidating the more general an investigator has. And in fact, mm-hmm. Lola, a mini confession here, I still don't think I've played her. Wow. After okay. all these years. Uh, I, I have I have seen her played, mm-hmm. but have I? I don't think I have. It, but the idea of deck building for her absolutely terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's already an obstacle for you, even if you thought, oh, <laughs> I think I might have some fun piloting her. It's like, not even getting to the deck building. Whereas Charlie also has flat stat line, but for whatever reason, a fire was lit under you and you felt like, right, I'm going to dive in. Well, I think I th- there are things I can do here. Yeah, I think he throws you a bone in terms of you want allies, right? And you want quite a lot of allies to make use mm-hmm. of the slots and to have enough cards to exhaust to give him a reasonable fist at passing a test. Yeah. So... Yeah, he, he while he is flexible in terms of what he can do, his deck building, you already steered down a certain direction in terms of what you put in his deck, and that is lots of allies. Yeah, so with three additional ally slots, you can have four allies in play at any given time right out of the gate. And it's reminding me of our Leo Anderson episode, how many allies is the right amount? And you you know, you probably want to make use of those ally slots because not only is he getting the ability that comes with playing an ally, whatever the ally brings him, a stat boost or, you know, some soak or maybe an enters play effect, but also his free triggered ability, his allies are his way of generating stats for himself. Mm-hmm. So just getting allies down is having this secondary benefit. So for instance, you play, I don't know, a laboratory assistant and draw a couple of cards. That lab assistant has one intellect icon, so you can test any of your stats at two, or you could test intellect at three once once a round. So straight away, it's weird in a way. It's sort of like each each ally is weirdly giving him a sort of very small static boost, but you know, depending on where you use it and how you use it. And of course, as you pile allies into the slots, particularly allies with lots of icons, his stat line actually could be pretty impressive quite quickly. Yes. I made the point to you that two two intellect icons spread across two allies is much, well, not much, it's, it's better than two intellect icons on a single ally mm-hmm. because you've gone, you have to go up to three matching icons on an ally and I think literally none of them, no, I think there's maybe, there was one ally I think who might have three matching icons. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. I think they had like two of one and then a wild or something like that. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe not even that, but but 
I, generally, I think the most we've got on allies is two icons. Yeah. Up to, up to two matching icons. Maybe I'm thinking of, um, is it Nephthys who's got a willpower and two punch? Uh, okay. So yeah, n- not nice. actually three. But but yeah. m- my point is, more allies is better, even if you've got yeah. fewer icons a- across them, because each each individual ally gives you a plus one to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that's partly because this free trigger doesn't have a limit on it. It just cares about how many allies you have in play mm-hmm. to how many times you can trigger it. So, yeah, the, the example you give, you exhaust two allies for plus one each and the icons which is better than just exhausting one one ally, even if it has two intellect, say. You can end up with plus four instead of plus three. Pretty nice. Yeah, and returning to our topic for our episode, we've already touched kind of immediately on a couple of things I thought about. So one was stat line. What does this investigator stat line tell me to do? Mm-hmm. In the case of Daniela, it's like, ah, oh, okay, I have willpower and combat. So I'm probably using my combat to fight with things and probably shored up against the mythos. But when you look at someone like Charlie, the the stat line is not pointing you anywhere, particularly in terms of what you're going to actively be doing. Although maybe we'll come back to that. And then the next place I thought of was looking at ability and ability being really the way of enhancing your play, getting the most out of this powerful ability printed on your investigator. So say, Roland, defeat an enemy, get a clue. I don't know if you've heard of Roland. You can build (laughs) a Roland deck that doesn't even lean into that at all and just does its own thing. But one of the things you might want to do when you get to deck building is think about how do I really make that ability sing? Charlie is another great example. His first ability is I've got loads of ally slots. He's basically got 9 XP free at the start. Yeah. Triple charisma. Yeah. It's also illegal to have three goblins charisma, <laughs> but you start the game with nine XP that's been spent on three charismas for you, and then entirely it's built around how am I going to boost my stats and going to get allies in play. So straight away for me, I'm thinking, what can I use to help me find allies? Do I want to have more card draw? Do I want to have calling in favors? Do I want to have a chance encounter to replay allies from discard piles if that's what i'm really desperate for do i even want something like ever vigilant if i can take it to play lots of ally you know lots of assets quickly all of these things come to mind looking at charlie before we go much further should we flip them over and read the back yeah do you want to take, take the lead there sure so he's got a deck size of 30 he has a new and somewhat new line class choices at deck creation, choose two classes, Guardian, Seeker, Rogue, Mystic, or Survivor. And then his deck building options are ally cards, level 0 to 5, neutral cards, level 0 to 5, cards from your chosen classes, level 0 to 2. His requirements are Bonnie Walsh, Burden of Leadership, and one random basic weakness. So this is where I start to get a bit nervous. Because <laughs> I've got a pick between all of the classes yeah and i've got what 10 combinations of five classes yeah so that's making me nervous but at least we're Mm. only limited to levels zero to two so i don't have to consider the whole breadth of the carpool but then also we can dive into any allies we want across the whole the whole gosh darn range yeah so his kind of specialization is allies 
when you're looking for those impactful high XP purchases, you're not going to see a gold pocket watch. You're not going to see uh, higher education. You're not going to see a big weapon in Guardian, but you might see any high XP allies. Yeah. So that's a kind of weird focus there. I'd point out as well that access to level zero to two, we said this before recently, the rough maths is that that's 75% of any faction's card pool. So, I mean, he still does have a huge access to to the factions, depending on which classes you pick. Yes. He's not limited too severely. But I'd agree with you. I think it's very daunting to look at someone who's like, well, choose. What classes do you want? Yeah, yeah. Where did your mind go when you first saw Charlie in terms of factions? And why did it go mm. in the direction it did? It went and to I'll tell you why I asked, it. Frank. Yeah. No, no, please, go on. <laughs> yeah, it went to we need to do an episode so that I can get my head around how to do this. It got me thinking. I went a little bit zoomed out and I started to think about how do each of those factions interact with Charlie, if at all. So that was that was one thing I went to. And I also went to, wow, it's not just which, how do the factions interact with him, it's how do they then combine with each other. So sort of like, you know, if I go seek a survivor, am I building sort of a min deck? Or if I go, I don't know, guardian seeker, is it going to be more like a kind of Joe deck? You know, thinking of the pairings that I already know. And I really wanted to sit down and maybe do a little chart of those pairings and, and highlight some of what you might get if you combine certain pairings. So I, I, I guess I, it pushed me away from actually settling down and building a deck. And I found it a bit intimidating in that, in that regard, that I wasn't like, oh, okay, he's rogue mystic. What, have, what cards of those combine? Let's dive in. I was sort of, yeah, I felt a little bit alienated by it. But why did you ask? What, what, where did you go to? Well, I, I picked a few cards that I thought worked quite well. So, so I initially thought, I, I had two thoughts when I looked at him. I guess there's a how do I pass tests? And then there's mm-hmm. what do I do in terms of my actions? How do I make my actions impactful? And then mm-hmm. you've also got to ask how do you fund that in terms of resources and cards? But, I think my mind just hooked on to some of Peter's favourite cards. What a surprise. Peter's pernicious picks. Uh, and, and saw that I, I think I like the uh, Miss Doyle in him. Mm-hmm. I think Miss Doyle and the, the three mini cats gives you mm-hmm. uh, some nice options f- for how you play. And once you've gone for Miss Doyle, it's, kind of tempting to go into some other recursion things as well. So mm-hmm. using the uh, the improv tactics, so specifically probably improvised weapon and wing- winging it. Mm. She can obviously take... Uh, sorry, he can obviously take Miss Doyle without being ha- having Survivor as one of his classes. But yeah. if, if, if you, if you want to go with some of the other cards like the winging it if you want to go with the ally recursion in calling um a chance encounter if you want to mm. go with resourceful if you want to go with uh short supplies to get a load of cards in your discard at the beginning of the game those all sit very nicely in survivor mm. on top of that you've obviously got a lot of failure tech in survivor as well which chimes with his low abilities even if you're just taking lucky feels pretty good for 
a guy with um, low stats um, yeah. to, to get him clutch passing tests. Mm. It's not just the failure tech in Survivor as well. It's also the low stat tech. Yes. Your rise to the occasion, yeah. your trial by fire to suddenly transform a stat to high. Against all odds. Against all odds, exactly. There's there's stuff that doesn't care. Oh, Signum Crucius as well cares about how how much different you are based to test threshold. So, yeah, I, I was hinting at that, I suppose, when I said he's got that low stat line. Strikingly, both he and Preston, with their low stat line, have access to Survivor. So they can do that kind of dark Preston, dark Charlie thing of maybe using Dark Horse, maybe running pretty light, maybe cheating their way through tests by failure tech or using these cards that actually give them a big boost for having low stats. Kind of fascinating. Yeah, so, so I guess that, that's the route I went in. I, I It was driven by finding a kind of a, a small interaction of cards I thought could work and then expanding out from that and fleshing out the rest of the deck. And I think this is why I like investigating... In, uh, <laughs> oh, no. What have I said? I like exploring a new investigator by mm-hmm. by deck building because it really gives me a feel for what the moving parts they're going to need in their deck to make that interaction work. Yeah. I have found on multiple occasions in the past, you know, you, you have an idea. Say, oh, this card will work great in that, but then they need this and then this and this and this. And when you when you build a deck to make it work, you've run out of deck space before you've put any economy in. Um, you've just got all the wheels of your engine uh, in the deck. And at that point, you, you obviously go a couple of directions. You either admit it's not going to work or see how tight you can cut it back yeah. to make to make a deck that still that still operates. There's a sort of philosophical distinction here, isn't there, between those who approach deck building as wanting to create a polished thing that works, that is a coherent whole, and those who approach deck building with an idea that they want to see if they can make work, and they want everything in the deck to be in service to that idea, whether that's, you know, the uh, dubs Ursula deck go as fast as possible, or whether it's sort of an engine, you know, get. 50 resources as Preston and smash everything in with with well connected that there's not neither is right or wrong it's just a different approach and I I wonder if the people who want to kind of create a polished final deck might find deck building a bit more intimidating because you're trying to get everything right as opposed to those people who are like well I just want to see if this idea works yeah yeah so I've, we've looked at stats, one possibility. We've looked at ability. We've mentioned deck building rules. Charlie doesn't help us much with that because he gives us a lot of freedom. And I wondered, you know, do, do deck building rules add a restriction or a limitation that follows, funnels you down a certain direction? For instance, the starter investigators do that. You just have one faction to deal with. Yeah, I, I remember when I first got the game and as I've done with all games, card games I've played since, it's nice to sit with, interestingly enough, Frank, I don't know whether you do this, but when I browse cards on ArkhamDB mm. and I've got a, a, a range of cards I want to look at, for instance, when I saw Charlie, I did a search for all allies that have a wild icon, at least mm. one wild icon. I displayed the search results as the scans. Mm, so I yeah, on, yeah. only look at the cards without looking at any of the having the text box beside it. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, it's it, when when I played games in the past, I keep all of my cards in a binder. Yeah. In 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 nine pocket pages, I'm sure many many people do the same thing. But and I arrange them by faction as well, so I can browse the cards per faction. Mm-hmm. Arkham DB is even better at it because you can filter that down. So if you wanted to, for instance, look at all allies that had one wild icon, one or more wild icons, you can just filter those out and display them. And that kind of search for cards usable by an investigator or, you know, a trait, you know, weapons. I want to see weapons that this person can use. Mm. Just looking through the range of cards there lets you start reading the cards and thinking about how each one interacts with the ability that you're dealing with. Mm. I guess I'm kind of back to abilities at this point. I think it's a a good point, though. It's it's not just how do I make this ability good? It's the next stage of kind of wondering and laying out some cards and going, well, when I choose between these six weapons, say, this one in particular interacts with the investigator I'm dealing with. So Charlie might be tempted by, say, a fire axe because his stats are low, but that will get him to a high stat. Yeah. But also he can take allies from Guardian. So maybe he wants to lean into a beat cop, which gives him a static plus one boost, and you can exhaust him, the beat cop, for another plus two in combat checks. So that gets him to combat four if he's doing that. And if you're doing that, right, your combat's already reasonable. Can you afford to take a weapon that doesn't give you as much of a boost as Firex does? Totally. I think the similar thing I do is when I build decks not using Arkham DB, just using my cards, one of the things I'll do is is the same as the binder thing, flick through a pile of cards and maybe take out any cards that catch my eye or take my fancy. And it's, it's that stereotypical thing of ending up with a 45 or 50 card deck to start with. But it's one way of winnowing through, well, hang on, what is there that this person could could deal with in charlie's case for survivor it's like okay well i maybe want failure tech i maybe want low stat tech that's already 10 15 cards before we've even done anything else it's it, that's exactly what they do on the team covenant cast as well you okay. see them build a deck they they have a, they, they keep all their cards in a massive pile and they'll right. just scroll through that pile and then drop cards that look like they might be relevant onto the table um, and mm-hmm. then try and remember what card it is they, they half remember that they think is relevant for, the, for, for that deck um, and dig those out as well. So you end up with a lot of cards and then you filter them back out. Because we're at a point now where, yes, I can remember lots of cards, but there'll be something that I don't think of. You know, I didn't think of Miss Doyle, say, straight away. I saw other people have mentioned Miss Doyle. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good fit. It gives him a stat boost from her, but also from how the cats interact and... Yeah, you can potentially have two allies out filling some of. Oh no, the other cats don't take. Slots don't take slots exactly. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, what renowned Arkham deck builder start with the name? I, I was chatting to them uh, about Charlie, and you always get more deck chat than you expect. <laughs> <laughs> but they mentioned momentum to me, and of course, mm. with Charlie, who's able to to boost his stats up high potentially for a single test, smash the one test maybe benefit from cards like a uh, cigarette case. For the next test, you can put momentum in mm. and get effectively a plus four to the stat, the one icon, and then the minus three difficulty, which which might be enough to put you into like an auto pass range. Yes. If yeah. you've dropped you the put the momentum in the zero. first test, just to be clear. <laughs> you put it into the test you went big on. Oh, 
because it lowers the, the difficulty of the, the next, next test. test you take. Sorry, yeah. yeah, 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 of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So no, it's, it's only a three swing, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, the, the the principle applies, right? So you 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 can smash the one test. You can exploit your your succeed by X um, uh, pool of cards, mm. and then get mm, the benefit yeah. on the next one when all your all your allies are exhausted. Yeah. So, like Preston, there are lots of similarities between Charlie and Preston. He might, if you exhaust all of his allies for a single test, spike up to quite a high stat. And then it's like, well, what do I do for the other actions? And momentum is one way of carrying that success over. Or you might end up with, say, four allies out, and you're doing two tests at, say, four or five in the stat, and you have a a down action to move or draw or play another ally or whatever it is. Yeah. So that kind of balancing act of, you've described it before, as I can do one thing well in the turn and working out if that is the case or actually if he can do lots of things well, depending on how his board is set up. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So another thing I, I actually noted here, just to take us back to ability and stats, is a question I like to ask is, do stats and ability align? Are they pulling me in separate directions? So for Charlie's case, the low stats might lead towards, say, a Dark Horse, Fire Axe, Madame Lebranche style. But I would feel like that runs counter to one of the things about his ability, which is that he has three additional ally slots. So already I'm factoring in probably trying to play four allies, yeah. which is action intensive and resource intensive, unless I'm somehow playing very cheap allies. Yes. So agree. for that tension, that's something I have to bear in mind. Um, you know, we've seen, say, the Jenny Dark Horse deck, where yes. you take her resource generation as a way of actually mitigating Dark Horse or making more out of it. It's not saying that you couldn't build a Charlie Kane Dark Horse deck, but I'd want to know really well how do I generate resources quickly if I want to then start playing allies again? And is getting the plus one from Dark Horse for the times I have it actually worth it? I guess that's something to bear in mind as well. Like, how does how do the low low stats interact with the ability, if at all? Then there's a couple of other meta things I thought about that maybe help when we're approaching this. How do I build a deck for this new investigator? One of these came up in our conversation, which was about role, mm-hmm. and am I being asked to do a specific task by the people I'm playing with? The nice thing about Charlie is. Say you want a secondary clue finder. Every faction now has ways of getting clues, but you could lean into that hard and say, right, well, I'll go Seeker. So I can run a lot of allies that have intellect icons and run, you know, a magnifying glass or a camera or a fingerprint kit. But also I can run working a hunch and buy a clue or deduction as well. And then you could say, right, I'll also run Rogue and run Intel Report or... You're probably not running lockpicks, are you, as, as uh, <laughs> this chaparoo? But maybe maybe looking into some other ways. Maybe, I don't know, pilfer if you have a way of boosting your agility enough and get lots of clues that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I think roll can help a lot for, in my head, removing a lot of cards from the card pool I don't need to worry about. You know, if your if your role is clues and you don't need to worry about enemies, that means you don't need to think about any of the cards that help you with enemies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I found myself asking you that when you built the Charlie list that you sent me. It was like, okay, you've got allies and 
you've got resources to pay for them. What's what's this Charlie Dex job? Yeah, yeah. And, and this, it's sort of, this is where I would typically struggle because I like to have a clear role specified for me and guided and ha- have me guided towards that by the card. Mm. But someone like Charlie doesn't have that. So when you start spitballing ideas, I don't know, there's a lot of places you can go, right? There's probably a lot of combos out there. There's a lot of builds for Charlie that I've totally not... I mean, I've, I've not considered any kind of spellcasting Charlie. But by virtue of how he's built, of how he works, you could kind of make any stat work in him if you if you tease out the right allies to have in your deck for the relevant stat boosts. Mm. If you can make him a cluer at one intellect, you can probably make him a spellcaster at one willpower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, your Arcane Initiate has a willpower icon. So that's Diana, three. Diana's got two. Okay, yeah. So that's plus three there if you wanted it. I guess the one downside about that level two is you can't take the high level spells that have the baked in boost. Exactly, so you're limited yeah. to the level one multi class spells and then Right of Seeking and Mists level two. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That, does, that does slow you down a little bit. And whereas you don't mind that at level zero in a mystic with four or five willpower, as the campaign gets on, you might find it harder and harder to boost high stats. Maybe. Maybe not. It's possible for sure. It's a really fascinating thing as well of do you use his unlimited ally access to make him into a generalist who draws on lots of different allies, both with different icons and then with abilities? So like you take Peter Sylvester because of his low sanity and then you've got a willpower icon sitting there and you throw in, I don't know, uh, Dr. Milan or Mr. Rook or something like that for draw and they've Rook has a willpower icon, Milan has an intellect icon. So you get a sort of spread or do you lean all on one stat that you're trying to boost and you try and run static boosts and, and double up? You know, there's something to be said for does he like Lola Santiago and Delilah O'Rourke? They both give him two stat boosts and then also have icons on them. The other role I'd throw out here is solo. Yeah. That's that's one not to forget that there's a, that's often the role I assign for myself is I need to do everything. And in Charlie's case, that's probably a bit more intimidating. But normally that means then when I'm looking at an investigator, I'm saying, okay, well, how do I do clues in this investigator? How do I deal with the encounter deck in this investigator? And I'm asking myself specific questions that I then try to answer within the frame of that investigator. And I've got a final pointer, I suppose. Go on. Which I noted down, which was campaign and what campaign you're thinking of playing. And I've noticed that more and more... I pick the campaign before I pick my investigator and I find thinking about the campaign useful for giving me an idea for what I might want to do in an investigator. I know this is very tangential from from Charlie, (laughs) but, you know, say if we're going to play Dunwich with Charlie, I think your idea of running, say, winging it an improvised weapon is really useful because there are some higher clue thresholds there and... You're going to want some compression. Yeah. And it's a scary one for, <laughs> to run Charlie in as well with all your allies being kidnapped. But there we Well, go. yeah. You just wait for the, the weakness to kill them all instead. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, that leads me down one route. If I'm running Forgotten Age and probably do want to think about how do I boost my agility up a bit more? How do I deal with enemies that I maybe don't want to kill? So thinking about am I going rogue then and running decoy or something like that? So, yeah, I think campaign can just... I think what it does is it actually gives me ideas to hang a deck on, whereas you've normally gone to that idea straight away from from a particular card you want to make work. Yeah, I think the other thing is, and I, I was going to kind of lead on to this, is that the ones that I tend to dive into like that, the ones with the, I guess, the weirder abilities, there's, mm. sometimes you get a sense of an ability that can, in the right circumstance, deliver a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And so the thought process is, how do I maximize that value to make something absolutely disgusting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's 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 where I go, <laughs> try yeah. and make a horrible deck. So the value, like when you did your Preston deck, that was recognizing that you generate so many resources per turn that you can then turn those into immediate success at things, and also. You can you can spend you can stay at zero but also have resources. Is that fair to say? Like where you were getting excited in the Preston deck? Yeah, I think so. Back yeah, in the midst of time. Yeah, where where do you see the value in Charlie? Then that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess it's the he feels like he would be very uh, tinkerable when you're playing as him. Like you mm. can probably pull out some tricks to do what you need. It's a bit like, and I guess this was angled me down towards the cards that I ended up using uh, a little bit like Patrice. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. you, you know, the, the gif of like the person looking at all the maths in front of them. Yeah. Like Patrice is a bit like that. You'd be like, oh, well, we need to, we need to get some clues of this location and then get rid of this enemy. And then everyone looks at the Patrice player and you hear like, Ding! Ah, right. And then you've I got do a it. Yeah. creative way to use your cards. And I feel like that might be a bit like Charlie. I think Charlie could probably pull off some total nonsense with with yeah. the setup. Oh, well, we need an evade check passing. Well, I've got just a thing. I'll exhaust this ally. I'll play this card. I'll commit this. And then, boom, I'm suddenly at seven agility for the turn. Yeah, I, I think so. I think one of the points of tension is going to be do you exhaust all your allies for one big test or do you save some back if you have a full set out that you can do that with? And I think that's going to be really intriguing to see, you know, yeah, say I have three allies down. Do I give myself plus three plus their icons for one check? Or do I try and hedge? And there'll probably be times where I think, oh, I really want to then pass another test, so I'll hold it back. And then you wish you'd put it in yeah, all of that I think is going to be really entertaining and enjoyable. So there's something about the unconventional that gets you excited. I think so, yeah. What about you and Charlie? Is there, is there something that's drawn you towards him? I feel like could be quite powerful. And with access to 10 different combinations, it could be a case a little bit like Lily, where you might see many different Charlie decks. And I find that really intriguing and really quite, I guess, quite exciting, actually, that I could work on a Charlie deck and it would be my, I don't know, Mystic Survivor Charlie. And it might be like nothing else that other people do. 
because it will have access to all the same allies. So I could pull in whoever I want, Leo De Luca, you know, the guard dog, if that's what I want. But then the choice as well gives a lot of different flavor. So I think I find that quite intriguing and exciting. Like I said, I kind of want to sit down and plot out the 10 Charlies. I don't know if I'd ever play them all, but I think that could be really fun. And yeah, I have a sense that when you build enough of a board with him, he's pretty monstrous. I mean, I, it's not based on playing him, but yeah. if you see if you see someone who's been given a ones across the board stat line and six health, six sanity, he's about as weak as you can get. I think it's what Calvin, who's the only one weaker than him at level zero. So that suggests to me that there's the potential for mega power. Which I find enticing. It's just like classic Frank. You see a really weak card and you think, ah, this must secretly be good, otherwise why would it be so weak? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. So where does that lead us about answering our original question? Uh, Remind me what the original question was, Frank. What steps can I take to start getting my head around a new investigator? Well, the way I would do it, (laughs) build a deck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess find find an angle you find interesting, find an interaction you find interesting. I guess that it's it's a way of getting yourself invested and interested in in any investigator. Mm. Find an angle that you like and then just try deck building around that and, and see how it works, see how it all fits in. I guess mm. that's the route I would go. And look at all your cards. Go to bed with your cards. Browse them. Take them into the shower with you. So that's right. Look at them. You liked yeah. Yeah. And I think I was pointing out different angles in terms of stats, ability, deck building, what role you need to fulfill or what campaign you're going to play. Like each of those could give you that angle in, that way in to looking at, at Charlie. I mean, that's the other thing. You asked me how I feel about Charlie. The other angle that gets me excited is solo. Yeah. It looks like a challenging solo deck. And yet some of the most fun I've had playing solo is playing Preston. So you know, why not? And particularly something like this where you need to build up to have these ally slots filled, to me, seems like a really good solo challenge because, yeah, in multiplayer, I'd say to people, hey, give me two turns and then I'll be good to go. Yeah. But in solo, you don't get given two turns. So managing that would be really intriguing to me. Like, what are what are those crucial two to three first turns look like? Am I running, I don't know, a load of cancellation so that I can stop the encounter deck interrupting me too much until I can get built up and then I'm unstoppable. Yeah, because unlike Calvin, doesn't seem like Charlie wants an early enemy to power up. Uh, an early enemy when he has no easy way of evading it would be horrifying, right? Well, th- that's what I've always worried about when I've played him. You just get pinned in place by an unlucky draw on the second turn. You're just taking attacks of opportunity until until you're powered up enough to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that one ally play with Charlie, you're still at two-ish stats across the board. Yeah, once a turn. Yes, once a turn. It's only yeah once you once you get to two allies down that you've got a three stat. Hopefully, three plus. Oh, there's one other thing. Just while my eyes drift across the front of Charlie's card. Elder Sign effects. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, this Elder Sign effect's not a build around. And I thought about how there are some Elder Sign effects that are the hook. Like Mateo is the good example, right? 
Yeah. Where you yeah. can build an entire deck where the hook is, wow, this Elder Sign effect is amazing. I really want to hit this a lot. I think Silas is somewhat similar in a way. You just get so much value out of his Elder Sign effect. Yeah, it's just another angle, I suppose. Most of the time, it's not the angle people want to pursue. I don't I don't think it's particularly the angle with Charlie, but I thought I'd note it. I tell you what, I've just thought, Frank. You can call this out, but just with you saying two-ish stats a turn, no no ally has fewer than one icon, right? I can't think of any, any allies that don't have an icon. Mm. I imagine very unlikely, yeah. So, what if you did an empower self, Kane? <laughs> then you could, man. That that feels like it could work well because then you can you can match the allies you're tapping. No, because that's only willpower, isn't it? Well, that'll be how you do a willpower Kane. Are you confusing Mind's Eye and Empower Self? No. So so. Oh no! Hang on. What am I doing? Anytime Empower Self has the plus two int uh, combat and agility. Yes, uh, but Just it lets you plus two. It, it lets you use your whenever you have to use willpower instead of another stat. Yeah, you can you use can that stat instead. So if you were mm-hmm. going to do say shriveling, mm-hmm. you but you had like sled dogs out. <laughs> you yeah. could tap all your sled dogs. To yeah. like make, and your empower self to make your shrivelings like insane. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, empower Boom. self. There you go. Is is tappable boosts for him even if you're not doing spells? Well, it is as well. But you could you could do, yeah, six cents. He might be the only person with Mystic zero to two, who's really not bothered about spells at all. Yeah, and just might just do that for the fun of it. Okay, I think you can stop cutting out now. I'll leave that stuff in. I think it's interesting. I think it's the way of, like, you pull at a thread and see where you end up. It, it does mean I, zone, I, I zoned out everything you said after uh, two-ish stats. Because I was, okay. I was like, ooh, how does Empower Self work again? <laughs> we need, like, a little, um, a little light to come on on my screen to warn me when you've just uh, <laughs> left the building or to go off, yeah. Well, any final thoughts for you to add? I don't think so. It's it was really fun throwing ideas around around Kane. I, mm. I think sorry, Charlie. I think there's a. I was thinking this right right at the head of the episode. There's there's a there's a lovely shake up of what you expect, um, especially when the community around the game is so online. It's very mm-hmm. difficult for anyone to spot a new interaction based on old cards. Mm-hmm. So no one's no one's really going to be saying, oh, I found this card in Carcosa, which works really good with Rex, because that's probably would have been found and shared and deck built around. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is, but I would doubt it. So when you get new cards come in it is like a voyage of exploration back through the old cards and saying oh well how does this card work with this new card that's just come out mm. so it's it's the, the 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 fundamental excitement of a card game of any kind of card game of lcgs of ccgs mm. how it's does the new, new stuff yeah mm. how does the new stuff recontextualize things we've seen in the past and i guess that's yeah. that's maybe at its purest with a new investigator 
how do the old cards work with this new investigator? Uh, and as I said, personally for me, the way I explore it is by making decks and, and seeing how the cards fall. Yeah, when I, this when is I Calling in Favours for me right now with Charlie. I've played Calling in Favours decks that I enjoyed, Yeah, but it feels like you anyway get an additional ability with allies for him, which is boost your stats. Yeah. And then also if you add a third ability on that one ally you play can then fetch you another ally, that seems really exciting to me. Just adds that extra layer. I felt like there was... I was I said any final thoughts for you, and this time I was very sure I didn't have a final thought. I was like, but. you know, sometimes I jump in. But then I had a final thought. We haven't looked at signatures either, and that's, of course, another avenue yes. that can get, get you inspired. What's the, What do their signatures do, and does that cast a new light, or do they have almost like a signature you want to build around? So that's one de- one card already in the deck. How do I then make it work? So yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there as well for the the completionists that the signature because this isn't an investigator specific episode, but the signatures might add like an a layer to to your understanding. Mandy is a good example, right? It's like if I do the bigger deck with Mandy, it changes my signatures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What are your ways in, listener, to how you begin to think about? preparing to build a deck for an investigator do you have any handy tips and tricks you want to share with us and with the rest of the community we'd love to hear them you can contact us we're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com we're drawn to the flame on facebook on twitter we're on design by humans if you want drawn to the flame merchandise and we're also on patreon that's also drawn to the flame on patreon thank you so much to everyone who supports us peter how can people get in touch with you I am United everywhere. That's U N I T L E D. I'm on Twitter and uh, Discord and Reddit as United, and I'm on Instagram as the United. So please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm around the place as Zooey Glass or Zozo, and I'm on Twitter as F B. That's E P H underscore B E E. Please say hello as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.